you know, you, you die and you meet the person you knew you could become. And that's how, you know, if like you lived a strong life where my dad, believed the same thing. He's like, you guys have this potential of who you can become. And he's like, my goal as a dad is to help you guys find what that is and help, you know, carve that out. And like, uh, there's that cool quote too, man, I need to like touch on my quotes. It's a, uh, it's the whole David where he's like, how'd you know, how'd you picture that out? He's like, I didn't picture. He's like, I just carved out what it was. When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make, but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Today, we are honored to have a guest who exemplifies resilience, ingenuity, and dedication, Chandler Woodward. As an entrepreneur, marketer, and investor, Chandler has made significant strides in the realm of business with his groundbreaking venture, Media Acquire. Together with his business partner, Raleigh Williams, Chandler supports entrepreneurs in acquiring valuable media assets such as social media accounts, YouTube channels, and Facebook groups, or he can also help creators in selling those assets that they've meticulously built. But Chandler is not only an entrepreneur, but he is also a loving father of two children, guiding them with the same passion and leadership he learned from his own father. Today, we remember Dave Woodward, a remarkable man and Chandler's father who recently lost his battle to cancer. Dave left an indelible impact on Chandler and influence seen in Chandler's profound kindness, loyal nature, and unwavering work ethic. Chandler once said, I will undoubtedly miss my dad, yet I will also carry on his legacy by loving, the, loving my family and the team that he created by bringing so many people together with his energy and smile. In keeping with his father's legacy, Chandler continues to inspire others through his actions, his leadership, and his perseverance. And you're going to love what he has to say about how he's taking that legacy into his own parenting. So let's dive in with this awesome conversation with Chandler Woodward. Okay, guys, welcome to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I have the honor and the privilege to have the awesome Chandler Woodward on. Chandler, thank you so much for saying yes to coming on today. Oh, man, excited to be here. Um, I have just been thinking about getting the chance to have a conversation with Chandler because I kind of know this going into it and Chandler and I were talking before we actually hit record that, you know, it's probably going to be an emotional podcast. And the reason because is because I personally, you know, I've lost my father whenever I was really young and I also lost my mother in my twenties and the death of a parent is something that is incredibly impactful and rightfully so. Right. And I think that when we lose one of our parents, it is only uh, a symptom of the fact of the role of a parent is so incredibly powerful that whenever we no longer have that parent in our lives, it leaves it leaves a pretty darn big hole, as it should, because their role was so powerful in our lives. But it doesn't mean that you know we can't move forward and just honor their legacy, and and, and we don't have to stay trapped in you know the throes of of grieving for our whole lives, but at the same time, honoring and looking at the pain that it has left because it's a significance of how much love was there. Would you say that that's true, Chandler? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think one of my favorite quotes I heard 
I heard this a long, long time ago. And then when my dad passed, brought back my memory in it, I heard it from a guy named Jesse Itzler. And he said, when his dad passed, he had this cool quote where it said, um, they say when your dad dies is the day you become a man. He said, luckily for me, my dad's oh. been teaching me to be a man my whole life. And it was just a cool, like, uh, it's something that I've, you know, completely felt, you know, with, with my dad was he was, uh, he was my rock the whole, my whole life, you know, I could always count on him and he was always teaching me. Um, I didn't have to wait for him to pass to, to be able to step into that manhood. He helped teach wow. that the whole, whole way That's through. That's so, so powerful. Can you talk to us yeah. about some of the ways that he did that for you? Cause I, I mean, Dave Woodward built on the, he was there in the throes of building click funnels. Uh, Russell credits him as being his mentor. And so he carried the mantle and the weight of everything that they were doing as they were building click funnels and brought innovation and and support in ways that Russell, it seems that he struggles sometimes to articulate how incredibly impactful that was. And whenever you're a part of something like that, it takes a lot. Like that's a lot of hours, a lot of creative energy, mm-hmm. a lot of everything, a lot of your heart, a lot of your soul, a lot of your passion. So um, what did that look like growing up with such, an, for one, a passionate, incredible father? Um, but what did that look like when he was trying to balance all of that stuff? Yeah. So it was interesting because, so when he was starting ClickFunnels, I was pretty much out of the house. I was in college by that time, but my dad has been like entrepreneurial and trying to start things since the day I remember. And it's, it never changed. I think he went very heavy. Like it was very public when he was starting click funnels. And so he, he was able to share a little bit more of that. Um, but yeah, like being in that kind of family, I would even say it's like a very, just like, uh, athletics up the right word, but like a, 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 comp- a competitive family where my mom, the same side is very competitive, very passionate. And where it's just like our whole life, it was, and I come from, you know, a family of boys. So I have three younger brothers. And so our whole life, it was just a competition. And um, my dad was the center of that. Like he was the one that taught us that whole thing where his whole, everything's like, everything I remember growing up, like we played sports and he's like, you're never going to beat me. Like there's something called dad strength and you're <laughs> never going to be stronger. <laughs> and then when we got older, obviously I got stronger and he's, <laughs> that he became humble and <laughs> everything. But as like, yeah, like during the whole ClickFunnels space, one thing I think I remember a lot of my dad was he wasn't like, I guess it was more like when I was at, when he wasn't starting ClickFunnels, but like when he was uh, right before ClickFunnels, he was starting, he was very successful in the real estate space. So this is right after 08. And so I was probably in middle school, I think when all this was happening, um, like just getting into high school and then high school is when I started really getting into sports. And that's when I was like, well, you know, that kid that always wanted to see my dad at, at my games and stuff. And um, there's a lot of times my dad couldn't make it, but there's always times he always made time for us. So one of my favorite memories of my dad actually is when I was a senior in high school, this was like the time where I was, you know, I was very, I was very successful in like in football. And so I was like, you know, he took me on a lot of like college trips. So we went to go visit colleges together, but at the time where he wasn't available, he made it the biggest sacrifice that now I understand, you know, being a dad and being something is that he, so he was gone three to four days out of the week and then day, uh, one day home. And then, you know, and then you have to travel again. He was doing these like real estate ventures where he'd go out and teach people fly to their home wow. and like teach them how to do this real estate thing. And, um, so he would come home, he would take a red eye, come home, get out, like be home right when I was waking up. And then, or right before I was going to, he, yeah, right before I was get, waking up, he'd go drop me off to school that day. And then as soon as I got home from practice, we would, I'd go take him to the airport. And that ride to the airport, I, we lived about two hours from LAX and it's like a two hour long drive. 
those two hours were probably the most memorable hours wow. of my entire life, like growing up, because it was just so like we were able to have, it was just a one-on-one time. It was time where he like dedicated strict to myself. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything. Like, and then also like he taught <laughs> me to drive at that time too. Brave. And so it was like, it was just, this, yeah, it was like this whole, it was like, and to this day, those are like my most memorable moments of my dad was when it was like that just out two hour long drive to LAX every night, like almost every night, you know? And I think that was like, yes, one of the things that he taught me the most now being a dad is like that. I may not be there a lot for like, it isn't a lot. I think a lot of times, like you feel like you have to be present all the time, all the time, all the time. You have to like be there and you're like, you're counting the hours you're not there. But what my dad did that was really special was like the hours that he was, was like strictly with us. Like he did an amazing job at just staying with us the whole time. And like, I felt like I was the most important person there for him. And I've heard that about my dad now, like when he passed, like everyone always said, it's like, I was someone special before I became like, before it was someone big on like the click funnel stage, like they met my dad and my dad made them feel special before they actually became, you know, famous or whatever. And I think that was just one thing that I learned from my dad, like growing mm-hmm. up was that's how he made me feel. And so now I just wanted to show that to others of like, how do I make someone feel like they're the most important person, no matter who they are, no matter like what they're doing, like eventually they could become something big, but who cares? I guess it's like making them feel the most, you know, just make them feel really special. Yeah. So. And the value that's there intrinsically inside of each and every one of us. And and I think Dave had a gift for being able to see that in people. Right. And then to furthermore uh-huh. champion that value inside of them and, and draw it out. So take us to that car ride though. Like what did he do in that car ride? Like I can only imagine, you know, we, we actually have a set of dinner questions that we use at dinner, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like most entrepreneurs you know, sometimes we can tend to be stuck in our head, right? And we're thinking about all the different decisions. There's so many different facets of running a business. And especially if things aren't going well, it's super hard to just reclaim that brain space and be very present. It's it's a real struggle for a lot of people. And I have to work really hard at it so that whenever I step away from my computer, my my kids fully have me. And sometimes I slay it and sometimes I don't slay it. So I'm just picturing Dave Woodward <laughs> having this red eye. And I don't know, maybe he napped before you guys got out of school and, you know, that trip to the airport. I don't, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but what did he say to you in the car? Like, what did those conversations look like? Yeah. So I think one thing my dad was just amazing. Well, at was like being so focused, like, um, or so interested in like whatever you're interested in. And so my dad, like all the things that I was obsessed with or things like he didn't really know really anything of those, but then became obsessed with him as he found out I was like loving that. And so um, like with football, like for me, it was like, just, it was just football a lot. It was like my obsession in high school. And so he would obsess over high school, over football things. He, we would watch <laughs> film together. We would do, and it's, he wasn't interested in that. Like he could care less, you know, like, but he loved wow. doing it because I love doing it. And like, he saw that how happy it made me. And so he was like, for like all for every single of my brothers, like my brother Jackson got into like trucks and farming and hunting. And so my dad found a way to get into hunting. He found a, and my dad's not my dad was not like <laughs> a man's man. Like he was not like the most like like uh he was not, you know, like the typical man guy of like uh of hunting or fixing things, you know. Um, but he would, if we were interested in that. And so that was like, so those trips was just, you know, was trying to figure out what I was interested in was like a big one. He's like trying to just figure out like what I was thinking about, what I was taught, like 
what I was obsessed about. We would have girl talk, you know, like talking about like girls that I was dating in high school, talk about, you know, like the things that were happening in my life. Like um, a lot of, you know, drugs, alcohol, like just like any, any topic. My dad was, he was so good at like making any topic feel oh. like an open topic. Like you didn't have to feel judged. You didn't have to feel anything. It was just open. Like he wasn't any quite like, I don't know how I'm still trying to figure out how he does it, but, or how I did it was, but he'd ask a question and it wouldn't feel like he was judging or like trying to go in. It was just like, he was very intrigued and mm. he was like very interested. And it was like, it came very authentic. You know, of like, I'm just asking, like, I have zero, zero bias, zero mm. judgment. I just want to know. And then that created a space for us to, whenever I had anything come up in my life with, you know, with sex, drugs or anything, like I could go to my dad and not feel judged, not feel anything. Cause I think one of like the quotes I always remember is like, he, he always says like, it's easier to ask for forgiveness for permission. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to ask for forgiveness. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he's like, don't, he's like, don't feel like you have to come and ask me for like, he's like, and also it's like, if I don't, he's like, it's better to come out before I figure it out. Cause he's like, I always will figure it out. <laughs> he's like, I'll always find out. And, um, yes. he's like, it'll come yes. up. He's like, it's a lot better if you come to me beforehand than after the consequence and stuff. So that was a good one that my dad always taught me too. Oh, that's so powerful. Well, you know, I think as parents, um, especially as our kids get older, there's this temptation to let fear rule our parenting. And when we do that and our kids are making decisions that are super scary and maybe we wouldn't agree with those decisions, it's really, really, really easy to just fall into fear. And I think fear causes us to respond in a way that doesn't mm-hmm. honor the value and of of who that person is. And establishing trust. And it sounds like your dad kind of understood that at a, at a deep level of, you know, because fear would have your dad go, Oh my gosh, no Chandler, you can't do that. Uh Why would you be thinking that you can't, you know, just like lay into you and tell you what you should think, what you should be doing. When in reality, he was just there as a guide. And I think that's one of the things that Russell Mm. talks about too, with your father as, as how he was able to be a guide to Russell. Um, and it sounds like he was really a father guide sure. to you um, while he led by example. Would yeah, you say that absolutely. that's true? I think my dad, it was interesting because my dad would always, and it, it never actually felt like a guide either too. It felt like we were like, you know, side by side. And he just kind of like, you know, he'd figure out where I wanted to go and like kind of help like, hey, let's, what if you go this way? Like, or what if we go this way? And like, he would help guide it that way. I'm not like staying for front and say, hey, this is where you need to be going. Like he would just be there by side by side. Like, hey, like, let's just edge ourselves over here those way or let's go this way a little bit. And I think that was like the best way for me probably to be parented was I'm not a rake. I wasn't rebellious or anything, but like, I'm not someone that appreciates like being told exactly here's exactly what you need to do. And so where my dad would come in, he's like, ask me questions if you're at where I wanted to go and then say, Hey, what if you thought about it this way or, and the way he would structure it, you know, he's just very persuasive, very like understood, like how to, yeah, how to guide a conversation to the way of like, hey, and he had my best interest. Like my dad, I think this is one thing that I see a lot, especially in an athletic world is like trying to live through your kid's shoes, you know, like you're trying to live the life of like, mm-hmm. oh man, I wasn't, I didn't go and play the NFL, but so I'm gonna make my kid an NFL player. Like hey, he's gonna have to play college or this. My dad was very, like whatever we, he wanted, to, he always had our best interest in heart. Like it was always like, what's best for Chandler? What's best for Christian? What's best for Parker? What's best for Jackson? Those were my brothers. And so he'd always like each one of us, he parented completely different. Like there's so many times where I'm like, dad, like, 
how did like how did I get that kind of treatment? And he's like, well, that's not what you needed, <laughs> or whatever, you know. And so he oh was so gosh. perfect at just understanding how like the personalities of each one of us, and then knowing, and then just having yeah our best interest, and um, being able to be that guide like side by side instead of like in front or pushing. And I think that from what you just shared, that's one lesson we can take away right now from from Dave Woodward is. He knew you, Chandler, and I have seen your yeah. understand.me profile. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're we're uh it's so fun. If y'all don't know about understand.me, you've you've got to check it out. We use it often in the inner circle, and it's just a place for you to kind of put all of your personality types uh so that you have kind of like this place of like, here's kind of who I am. And it's very, very helpful on teams. I love it. And so anyway, on your personal, on your your understand.me, you are a high yeah. D, like and and for those of you who don't know, D's are like, they are the leaders, they are the drivers, they're the powerhouses. And I wonder if, you know, Dave knew from the beginning, like, look, this is my, this is my Chandler and he is the driver. He's the leader. He's the one who I have to come alongside him. And I can't tell him what he has to do because if I do, he's going to go, he's going to yeah. push back. Right. And so I, I think that's incredibly wise. And I, I wonder how much do you know about how your father was raised? So my dad. Yeah, he was um, not very close with his dad. Like him, and his dad had to the day he died, could not stand being in the same room with my grandpa. Whoa. It was really hard. It was really, really hard, especially at the end, seeing them together. My grandpa isn't like the, uh, he's. I think he's trying to make it up by live by being a better grandpa than he was a dad. And so when my dad was there, uh, we were on a couch right when it was like weeks before my dad passed and my grandpa has always been very like very set at when he wanted to die and he was like very very set like now I'm at 90 years old he's like once I'm 90 I'm done and he's like coming up to that and uh my dad wanted to live for 300 years my dad always said he's like oh. he's like I'm gonna bury you guys he's like <laughs> I he's like I don't want he's like I love life like you know like he just he didn't want it this end and he loved it and um so when he was there you know it was a hard time for my dad seeing my grandpa with, with my kids and, and, um, you know, wanting to be there. And, um, so yeah, my dad wasn't raised in a, his father wasn't the best, wasn't the best father to him. He's a very stern guy. And I think that's probably why my dad was the way he was as a parent. Cause he's like, my, my dad would always tell us too. He's like, I always wanted the relationship I never had with my dad. And mm. so he'd always make sure he was, he loved us. He was, he, my dad was very touchy. He was very, huggy like he'd hug us all the time and force you know force it like he was like no we are he's like it's okay to this hug is what it's we like, do yeah, yeah exactly and um you know would kiss on us would just he just loved Aww. us and you know I think that was his way of really wanting to to fix that um I've always heard a cool uh quote from Ed Milet saying that there's always one person in a family who can who can pivot and who can change like a family's nature or whatever and my dad was that guy. He was like the one where it's like his family wasn't raised in a loving home. Like, you know, it's very strict. It's different. I guess it, I don't, I don't know if it was not loving, but my dad wanted love to be like the center of our entire house where all my brothers and us, like we love each other. Like we are so, so close. My mom, we are so close. You know, my dad, we were always so, so close to each other. And I think that was like the biggest thing is he wanted for us to remember is that family is the most important thing. And, um, at the end of his life, he uh, 
he said the family, he's like, it really is forever. He's like, my dad was a firm believer of like families, you know, being together forever. And um, that's what his biggest thing is. Like, I just can't wait to see you guys again. Yeah, I can't wait. He's like, and uh, just wanted us to take care of each other. And it was just a, wow. an amazing, amazing ending for sure. That's incredible. And the fact that he came from not receiving that. And I'm so happy that there's some, it sounds like there was some sort of um, kind of reconciliation at the end or an attempt uh, on that. I know mm -hmm. it's so difficult, so, so difficult. And that he was that game changer, that he was the one who was willing to be to the sacrifice. And so I apologize because it's making me emotional, but the fact that he did that, that he did those red eyes, you have to think in his mind, it was because like he was saying, I will not be that. I will not let my kids experience what I experienced. And so I think that just goes to show the testament there of the fortitude that your dad had mm -hmm. in in his visions and his passions and making that come to, to fruition. And I, I just hope that everybody who's listening, that that is just a true inspiration because we get so busy, right? And we have as entrepreneurs, and, and even if you're listening and you're not an entrepreneur, I believe that we're all filled with passions and things that we love and things we can see in our mind that we want to make make happen in life. And, and, and there's so many distractions in this world that can distract you from actually living in reality, right? Like thinking that, oh my God, everything is wrapped up in this offer I've got to get out into the world or Oh my gosh, everything is wrapped up in how my house looks, or if I drive the nice car, or you know, if I'm connected to this person, or I achieve this goal, right? When in reality, like none of it matters in the end. Like mm. none of it matters. What matters is our family, is our loved ones, is the legacy that we leave in the hearts of those that we love. And not that those things don't deserve our time as well, but living in the light of eternity like if we have eternity in our eyes and we're living in such a way that we leave that legacy and it it sounds like your dad lived that way fully with you guys and yeah. i i have a question for you that i would love to know the answer to because i have four children myself i've got two boys and two girls my youngest is 10 my oldest is 21 and oh my gosh if they have not fought so <laughs> much and I know that you're not saying your family is perfect or anything, but these beautiful outcomes that you're experiencing, I've worked really hard to me and my husband both to say, hey, you know what? Family is the most important. Like, and, and I just saw a quote recently and I'm like, where has this been my whole life? Because it was such a revelation, but, and I'm going to get this wrong, but essentially it just said that um, parents aren't here long enough with us and siblings, I'm sorry, uh, spouses come a little bit too late. Mm -hmm. but your siblings are there forever Ooh, for, for like good. your whole life. Isn't that good? Yeah. And I was like, gosh, that's incredible. Like, I really wish that that was more woven into the fabric of families with that light of like, your parents are going to leave you sooner than you want them to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your spouse is going to be there, but they don't remember what your home smelled like as a child. Yeah. They don't remember the sound of your mom or your, your dad or what your home, like, like where you're from. There's that song. Um, Oh gosh, I'm going to have to look it up. It's so great. But the guy was like, um, I wish we could turn back time to the good old days um, when the mama would, oh my God, what is that song? But either I way, he talks said, about, yeah. do you know what I'm talking about? Uh -huh. And and in it, he said, there's nobody who's going to know like what that one smell was. And if I could, I'd bundle it up into a candle um, that I could burn all the time or something like that. This yeah. is sounding so lame, but I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's the best song. I love it. And <laughs> Um, my kids joke around about that song all the time, but it's the truth. Like there's something beautiful and 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 uh, fully 
beautiful nostalgia about the fact that childhood just doesn't last forever. And there's something beautiful because that's where we're formed. Yeah. Right. That's where we're shaped. And so your dad left this legacy of like loving each other and family being forever. And I'd love to know what were some of the ways do you, can you identify any of the ways that he worked that into your, the fabric of your family? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I, I want to go back to real quick. I'll, I think um, one of the things that, so back to like the, when my dad was gone a lot, I think a lot of the times that we feel like we miss something or like you get, you get really down on yourself a lot about like, you know, staying really late at the office, staying up late, you know, working on something. And you're like, man, I'm not there for my kids. I'm not there for my kids. And you're like, you're really focused on that thought. Like I'm not there for my kids, not there for my kids. Where my dad, I don't know what he thought in those situations, but what I did know is that he was very, that those two hours to LAX was like, is an intention. You know, like my dad, I, I don't know. Cause I was thinking about this. I was like, my dad wasn't very present when I was a kid, you know, he was working a ton. And I don't know if you just feel that it was just me as a perfect son or just get, or whatever it was. But like the, the intention, I think is what you feel as a kid of like, no, my parents do love me. I don't know the intentions there of like, they may not be here presently all the time, but when they're here, they're here or these little attempts at like, so going to like the, with my brothers, a way that my dad and my parents kind of forced uh, this relationship with my brothers that are so close now is uh, specifically. So my brother Christian and I were, enemies like hated each other holes in the walls throwing each other wrestling like just did not get along because we're super alike <laughs> oh my gosh and so we we're very competitive i mean all we're all boys and we're all into sports we're all like very athletic and so the wrestling was a just a known thing that was going to happen every time like my parents would try to have these very spiritual religious moments in our home and two seconds later like we say a prayer two seconds later like we're wrestling and we're like, and they're, they're trying to get us under control. And so one thing my parents and my dad, you know, my dad did very well was he would, we lived, we lived in San Diego area. Um, and so we, there's tons of places like two hours, three hours away where, and what he would do is he'd actually intend to try to go away from like away from service, away from anything. And so we go up to the mountains, we do something, it'd be like a three day vacation, like just three nights or two nights in a day or two nights in three days. And we would just be stuck together in a tiny little cabin and forced to play the games, forced to do something. <laughs> and somehow we'd find a way of hurting each other. But it was like, those are the moments that we remember as kids of, and we don't remember the bad ones. We remember the good ones. I remember, I remember telling this to our, uh, our parents, they're like, oh my gosh, that was the most stressful trip of our entire life. You know, and we're like, what? Like, that was so fun. Like, don't you remember playing at this little tree house? And they're like, yeah, don't you remember pushing your kid, like your brother off the tree house and like <laughs> making it like, and so, but we don't remember those things. We just remember how fun it was. And so like those, we did those all the time. And I remember my dad, you know, my dad was, it was in the time where financially was struggling so, so bad, but it would find these cheap little places to us that felt like it was so cool. Like, oh my gosh, like this is one bedroom place. Like we can't, like, this is so cool. And I imagine my dad was like, oh, I wish I could do something bigger. I wish I could do something, yeah. you know, but, but for us as kids, like it was so fun. And so like, I'm a, I'm the oldest. And then I think it's eight or nine years to my youngest brother. Um, and so we're separated, but I'm like so close with him. And like, I feel like he's getting married, you know, here pretty soon. And like, I feel like we're the same age and like, like we just are so, so close together all because of those like forced or at the time. I know, I remember some of them. I was like, oh, I want to sort of be able to hear my friends. Like, like we couldn't take any friends. We couldn't do any, like we couldn't take anything. It was just family. And 
like no girlfriends, no anything. Like it was just straight family. And there was times where I was so pissed to go, but once you're <laughs> up there, like you're happy and you figure a way to enjoy it. And so it was good. Yeah. Those are like the, I was, that was like my dad's playbook, I think for creating like a cool relationship with us. Uh, it's so awesome. And I hope that whoever's listening right now, if you've got kids who are fighting and they're wrestling and punching walls, that there's hope that they can all come together in the end. But it takes that diligence and that intentionality, right? Like mm-hmm. sounds like he's just super intentional about getting you guys away together and protecting family, even if it meant that it would be super stressful. Because I tell you what, there was this one trip. I, my husband and I, at the time we were struggling so hardcore financially, we'd honestly never taken a family vacation before. And our kids were all pretty little. I think Josiah, my oldest, might have been maybe nine or so. And then they were all stair-stepping down from there. And um, we had our youngest, who was just a baby. And someone had let us use their timeshare up in mm-hmm. Branson, Missouri. And so we went up to Branson. And I can't even tell you how much I disliked our trip, okay? <laughs> um, it was so stressful. I hated that we didn't have enough money to go out to eat because I was I felt like I was living in the kitchen instead of spending time with my kids and having vacation. And we were spending money on, like we went to Ripley's, believe it or not. And I felt like, oh my gosh, this place is a dump. And I was like, what's going on? And this is weird. And oh my God, don't look at that. And like, (laughs) you know, like all these crazy things. And then, um, you know, there was like a cool little tennis court, but like the tennis racket was broken and like all these negative things that I remember how awful that trip was. And, And they fought, oh my gosh, they fought and they weren't kind to each other at different times. And I just remember going walk away. I was like, oh my gosh, that was not a vacation. And someone, my my dear friend, she said, honey, with kids, it's never a vacation. It's a trip. Mm-hmm. You just went on a trip. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I feel that in my soul. So anyway, yeah, a couple of years later, actually, I mean, I think it was at least five years ago. My, my oldest is 21 now. He remembers nothing but fun from that trip yeah. and how incredible it was and all this stuff. And so I think if if we can, as parents, just remember that, that when we're out there, it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And we don't even have to necessarily enjoy it. Hopefully yeah. we do. But the kids are kids. And they, what they're looking for are those new experiences and getting to do it with each other, I think, is where we establish those core memories and those mm-hmm. moments of togetherness. And um, I talk a lot about event horizons and you know, getting out and, and going out as a family is and changing the environment and the experiences is so important and elongating our memories together, especially for our children. And it sounds like he knew that he, he knew that that was super important. So okay, I love that so much. And I love that it wasn't necessarily anything super fancy. Yeah. Right. I think that's the biggest thing Like we always, I I get mixed up still to this day. I'm like, I want to take my, you know, I'll take on a cool vacation, do something crazy cool. And like, there's these hikes, there's a camp, like my dad take us camping sometimes, you know, and like would just force us to, or like take us like every, every Sunday, my dad would do, would let my mom sleep and get like good rest and stuff. And they would take us boys and we'd go out on a hike and do something, you know, do something outside on every Sunday. Wow. And it was like, those are like the funnest things I remember, like specific details of each trip, each little hike. And there's, and I think you get as a parent, I see myself now like wanting to make something huge, wanting to do something crazy where like, and kids have such a huge imagination where they're like, Anything can entertain them. Like, oh my gosh, it yeah. is so easy to be entertained as a kid. And like, I see that now with with my kids. You know, like, 
you know, my like little kids like playing these little rocks. He's having the funnest time, like throwing these rocks in the river. And so we could play a little game with the rocks in the river and and create something fun. And so I think that like, yeah, those event horizons were always the biggest. My dad mastered that of like we would never go to the same place because it was really hard to find, probably, you know. But we'd always do something different, maybe similar location, but like different house. And each house had yeah. something different, you know. Some had a tree house, like we didn't have a tree house down in San Diego. Like we couldn't find one for like we could never find one. Or like uh we got obsessed with basements. Like in California, you don't have basements. And so if we traveled <laughs> like somewhere like into Nevada or something like that, like we'd have these cool little basements and we're like, oh, this is so awesome. And we like, and um, or like Christmas. My dad, every Christmas we would do, we'd all sleep in the same room. And and so it was like a thing to this day, like if we're together on Christmas, like I'm 27, like we still sleep in the same room because it was just so <laughs> oh, fun. I love like, that. There's like these little fun things where we like, it's a... Uh, yeah, like those little moments, I think are are the ones you remember the most. Are like mm-hmm. those little fun things that you'd have like no idea about. Yeah, yeah. So I think oh, cool. I love that. And you know, one of the interviews that I did was with uh, Justin Guarini. He's a incredible Broadway star, American Idol, blah, all all these amazing things he's doing. But one of the things he brought up is that he's for a while he was always thinking it has to be this extravagant thing, and and the reality is is that. It, it doesn't. And actually you can do yourself a disservice in your role as a mother or a father. If you just keep waiting to be able to do that big thing, when Mm -hmm. in reality, it looks like going outside and just pop pitching the tent and having a night outside in the backyard. And then you just created a core memory and something that is going to make their, make your child feel very seen and very heard. Um, So I thank you so much for sharing that. That's like three amazing things we've walked away with so far from, from your dad and just the impact he's left. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events, testing your patients, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar, and my kids decorated it, and that's where we put all of our questions, and that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. One of the things that I think is so cool and and also something that makes me a little worried because I've had two conversations with um, some entrepreneurs that were actually nervous about the fact that they didn't have the best upbringing or childhood at all. And so they were very driven to change what their child was going to experience. And the conversation kind of shifted and it's like, but what if this is a cycle? 
what if we have a bad childhood? So we try to make a better childhood, which is kind of what your, your father experienced. You know, this was rough. I don't want this for my kids. So I'm going to do better. And here's how I'm going to do it differently. And then the thought process is that, well, if our kids have it good, then they're going to not try so hard for their kids. And then, you know, like this crazy yeah. cycle. And it's funny because I, I want to do more research on it, but what I'm hearing in you and what I see in you is that this legacy that and how he showed up in your life before he was diagnosed, those impacts, that intentionality, the decisions he was making was already cementing in your heart, you know, who you want to be as a father. What am I okay in uh, assuming that? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Cause I think that's kind of what you do. Like, I don't think, I don't think as a parent, see me now, like there's things that I'm, I'm changing that my dad did. I'm like, I don't, I wasn't the biggest fan of that way. You know, like and you still change things and stuff, but you try to improve on it. And so if you have a good foundation, how is it not going to get better? I don't see how, like for me having a really good, strong foundation now, if it was like, this is an ideal parent. Like I loved my dad, everything he did. How would it go worse? You know, I don't see how that works. I, all I want to do is like, now that I know what experience, what it feels like to be, have a loving dad, have someone who cares for you, have someone who like, is there, you know, is your number one cheerleader? How do I not want that for my son? Mm. You know, like, and so if I'm, and if I give that to my son now, how is he not going to do that for the next one? Yeah. You know, it's like that whole, um, what's that one? There's that one movie. It's like pay a uh, pay it forward. Right. Of like, mm. where it's like, I don't feel, I don't know, unless there's something wrong with some, I think like, unless there's something crazy traumatic, like I don't see. Yeah. So I think you're totally right. I don't think that's, um, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. yeah essentially. Yeah. And I'm curious, kind of in the anthems, because you've got two kids, they're very little, and they're so adorable, like, woo, those Woodward babies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you have a boy, he's about, he's three, and mm -hmm. then a, a one-year-old little girl. And so talk to me about what, what is the legacy that you want to leave as a father for, for them? Like, what are the things you're intentionally focusing on right now for them in this young age? Yeah, I think... So this is fun. When my dad, when we were young, like for some reason, like we would do these trips, but it would always be like, we always do something crazy hard. Like we always do like a <laughs> super long hike. That or competitiveness. Super, yeah. Like I'm just like, like, I think it's the same where we, we actually said like, we don't do vacations, dad. Like we, like we do these trips, like, or uh, some kind of like race or something. Like there was always something that we would do that was like, we would be exhausted after this. And <laughs> I remember one time we were doing this really long hike and I was like, dad, this is so annoying. Like, why are we here? Like, this is like, I could be home relaxing. Like I'm sore, I'm tired. And he's like, we do hard things. And mm. it was like the biggest thing that, where it's like every time I, and it became a joke too, where it was like, what do we just do hard things? Like if ever something that was just annoyed us, we're like, Hey, what do we just do hard things? And it was like a thing that I now being a dad, like I want my kids to know like, Hey, like, yeah, we do hard things. He's like, and then we try to find a way of making those things. Like there's always this beautiful thing at the end. Like we, so we were really big into hiking. Right. And so like on a hike, it's really, really hard. Like you're trying to go up this really hard hill. And, but at the same time, as you see it, like you get up that hard hill, you do the hard thing and there's this beautiful view mm. and you're like, mm -hmm. and so for us and my dad, when a couple of years ago, he gave us this little coin. Uh, it's the obstacle is the way. Um, oh Yeah. Great and, book. Yeah. And so he gave us, there's this little cool coin that, you know, it has like this little image of a mountain and there's like this little path up it. And it says the obstacles the way. And there's that cool, is the cool quote from 
I think Marcus Aurelius. And I think as being a dad now, like, and with my wife, like we've decided, yeah, we want our kids to, because I would say that we came, you know, I wasn't raised with like a ton of money, but now my parent, like my dad does very well, you know, like with ClickFunnels, like he did extremely well after that and seeing how I was parented versus my two younger brothers. Um, it was different. And, but they are, it was cool seeing that how like my wife, when my wife came in, she was like, like, oh man, they're spoiled. Like how, you know, like they're going to be, they're not going to know how to work hard. They're not going to do any of these things. And it was so cool to see my two younger brothers, like they're one of the hard, they're like some of the hardest working people in our family, you know, like, and it was cool seeing that. Cause I think the biggest thing I saw that with that was my dad was, was finally open about what he was doing. Like for the longest time, I don't know why, I think he was probably because he felt like disappointed and like how he wasn't really financially successful when I was a kid. But when with my two younger brothers, he started sharing a ton more where they like, they understood what it take, what it took to that. And some of them probably won't be entrepreneur, like entrepreneurial. Cause like, that's really hard work. Like, and like, is it, does it pay off, you know? And, um, so I think that's another one that I want to teach my kids too, is like, I want them to, sh- I want to include them in everything I'm doing, like from the beginning, you know, like mm-hmm. even in the hard points. So, so like when, like now I'm in the hard time, like I'm, I haven't crushed it yet, you know, and I'm not like where I wish I was, but like, I wish now that my dad had shared those things that he was going through at this time of his journey mm. and, you know, of like, and there's probably some of it where you, you don't feel like a, you don't feel like a man of like trying to tell your kids like, Oh, I'm struggling, but I think it would be so powerful. Like so now with my kids, like, I don't know, I'm going to try it and see how it does of like showing them. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to take. It's not easy, you know? And I think, so I think that's a big one of like, of, of what I want to do and kind of what I learned from my dad on that is, yeah, is like showing them, you know, including them so much in this. Cause we got invited to a little bit of the events, like when I was a kid, but my brothers, they grew up in them and they saw like the cool party. They saw the cool stuff and experienced like the entrepreneur side, but then they got to hear a lot of the stories and see like, mm. wow, dad, dad's up at one o'clock with Russell, like writing a sales letter for this thing. Like, oh, geez, like when does he sleep? And like, they got to see a ton of that too, which was really, really good for, for all of us, you know, to see them like, Hey, it still does take some hard work to, to build something massive. Wow. And you know, I think that that's so anti-culture nowadays. I, I feel like I got to kind of think through that a little bit more, but for the most part, uh, I think parents are so busy trying to keep any hardship from their children. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, sure. I know I'm guilty of this too, um, because some of my kids, you know, we've got some you know, different letters attached to our name per se. (laughs) Um, And and so there's sometimes there's difficulties, especially when you're trying to be stuck, put in a box, right? And and the tendency can be to alleviate the pressure. Mm. When in actuality, the pressure, if they fail, then what do we know about failure? Failure is the pathway to success. And we learn from failure, right? And so, and then, but what if they push through and they actually have success in that moment? what kind of sense of identity are they going to get from that? Right. Like it's powerful either way. If you don't, as a parent, try to remove that pressure. And I love that he intentionally put you guys into Mm -hmm. situations to have to do hard things. And and you're, you're taking that and you're saying, Hey, I take that mantle up and I'm not going to make it just, you know, smooth sailing for our kids because we do hard things. And that's how we teach people work ethic. Absolutely. And and what it means to have grit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the coolest part of that too was like, I think a lot of the times it's hard to say, my wife doesn't come from like the same kind of family where I do, where it's like, 
uh, sports is real heavy. Like she's not really big into sports, but she's really big into music. And my dad would, some of my brothers, like we weren't, weren't, you know, the most into sports. And so what he did was like, okay, what are you into then? Like, whatever you can do, let's set a goal then. And let's, let's go get the goal. Like, what do you want to become the best at? You know, mm. is it video games wasn't really big when we were, when I was growing up yet, but like my, bro, one of my brothers was in, big in the piano and he's like, okay, cool. Let's get you a teacher. Let's get you the, like, let's get you a piano teacher. Let's get you into lessons. Let's see you put in the work. And there's times where he's like, my brother wanted to quit on it. He's like, you can't like, you can't quit. You signed up for this. This is what it takes to, you know, you signed up for it. You're accountable now. Mm. And in every time, every the cool thing too, was like every season there's so like, I remember there was one season I was like, I don't want to play again. Like, I hate football. This is the worst. And I'm like, I'm going to quit right now. He's like, okay, you can quit after the season's over. You don't have to play this again, but you signed up and you got to fit. You got to follow through with what you said. Yeah. And I think that was like the biggest thing of like, there's so many, there's so many things in life where you can find a way to teach this to kids. I feel like, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be through sport. Like there's like, there's so many things where it's like, just find out what they want to do right? Because they have to be excited about it or else they're not going to really sign up for it, I think. And then, okay, cool. Like, what do you want to do with that? Help them set up goals. Like, there's so many cool things you can teach them and like have them fail in the home. Like my dad was really big on us failing in the home. Like, Mm. he's like, I want to create a place where failing the home is okay. So you don't fail outside. He's like, I can protect you guys here, you know, in my home. Like, I can like, you know, pick you guys up and do this. But it's like, once you get out, he's like, I want you to have the first failure outside because you're not going to know how to get back up. Oh, and so, so powerful. I think that was the biggest thing. Are you doing okay on time? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Okay. So quick question for you then. Like, can you think of a time where you failed in the home and they were there to kind of catch you? Yeah. Um, so there was like, uh, yeah, I was like sixth grade. So I was like, so set on football. I was like, I'm going to be in NFL. And so I was like, there, and there were these two leagues, right? There was like a really good league. So it was like D1 and D2 and, or like, yeah, yeah. D1 and D2. And I was like, I'm going to be on D1 this year for sure. Like zero problem. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's try out. Let's, let's put in the work. Let's, you know, train. Um, and so I started training. I worked as hard as I could, hard as I could, hard as I could. And we could go to the tryouts and we're trying out and I don't make it. And I remember like just being destroyed. I was like, why did I work so hard at this thing? And I don't even get like, I'm on this thing where in my head, I'm like, I'm so much better than all those guys. I'm like angry at the coaches. I'm angry at all this. He's like, you didn't do it. Like there's something wrong. Like, it's okay. Like you're not a fit. The coolest thing is my dad taught me was the identity, like the purpose of like identity of like, you're not just because you fail at this does not mean you're a failure. Oh, like, gosh, that's good. It just means like you met, it just means it's a step back. Right. And he positioned this failure of mine into like my best season of ever in like my most to like my love for football. It was the craziest thing where he's like, okay, so you know, you're better than every single person on that D one team and playing at the D two level, you technically should be way better than everybody. Right. And I was like, Oh yeah, for sure. He's like, Hey, then how about you prove to those coaches that you're way better and just destroy this league. And like, I I remember being so like set on that and that whole season, I was like, it was, yeah, it it made me love for the football game. It made me love the game of football, maybe love the game of like trying really hard. Like I loved working out at that point on and, you know, mid season, the coaches from D one came down and tried picking me up and taking me to the D one. And it was so cool. Cause I was able to turn them down. I was like, no, I'm going to finish out with my team 
you know, and um, to the point where yeah, we beat them in the championship of the league. And oh, so it was just the coolest, like, awesome. it was like the coolest story in my world, you know, like where I thought I was like the coolest person in the world. And my dad was like, just so proud of me. Um, and there's so many times like that, like, and there's cool times where my dad would do that too, where he would, uh, peanut on the X got really big when I was growing up. And so my dad was, my dad wanted to get into shape. And, uh, and so I would wake up every morning. Um, actually this is cool. So my dad, my dad was like, so, so strong on, on God, on the, on church and religion. And for me, it was always the hardest thing to capture, to like understand. And this is the kind of thing that goes like lead by example where, so in my church, like we had to wake up really early in high school to go to the thing called seminary, where we go study scriptures in the morning. And I'm like, I'd wake up like at five 36 in the morning in high school. That's wow. like really early for, for, you know, a high school student. And every morning I come down and when we come down to the stair, like at our house, how our house was built, there's these little stairs that comes down. And as soon as you take that turn to like go down the second set of stairs, like you look into my dad's office and my dad, every single morning would be there praying or reading like his scriptures every single morning. And wow. it was like, I always, I was like, dad, what are you doing up so early? Like, why are you doing this? He's like, and he never really gave a response. Like he never was like actual response that I remember, but he just said, he's like, I, he never had a response. They just did it. You know, like yeah. we never talked after that. He's just like, it's just what I do, you know? And I think that was like the biggest thing where I like, where that was like one. Yeah. I'm as a side tagging, but when we got into, into P90X, this whole thing as well, like he, he failed a lot, you know, like he wasn't like the best at it and it was just cool. And then he invited me and that was like my biggest, like, uh, like one of my biggest things where I built a, lo- a really good relationship too, was like being able to compete with him. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, and so my dad's disc too, is like, is exactly like mine, super high D super high I. And, <laughs> and so we're so, we're both really competitive. And I think that was like the biggest thing was like showing, it was like us competing together. And I think he understood that too, of like, he knew that's, you know, that was my personality because he, he didn't do the same with some of my other brothers because they're not as competitive, um, but he would find other things of getting with them too. Oh, I love that so much. And one of the things and everything that you've been talking about is, at least in my journey, in order to be an intentional parent individually with all four children, it takes energy, <laughs> it takes it takes time and it takes reflection. And one of the best things that I ever had as a mom was, you know, I, I obviously came from a home that, you know, I'd lost my dad when I was young. And then my mom, you know, she had a few boyfriends um, over my tween and teen years, but nothing solid. And I didn't have an example of what it, because my mom was so sick in my tween and teen years, I didn't have an example of what it meant to be a really great mom. And so fortunately for me, through a series of total amazing God events, I found out about this woman named Sally Clarkson that used to put on this event every year, and it was called Mom Heart. And you went to this event and you got to hear all these awesome women talking about motherhood. Um, But Sally would come and she would bring all of this teaching and, and just love on us in this way that was just so profound because it felt like she was sitting there with you at the table, but you're in a room with hundreds of women and she's just speaking to your mom's soul. Right. And I feel like in our society, there's very few people speaking to the father heart and the mom heart. Right. And um, one of the things that I just started doing at the end of that conference every year, 
I would, instead of leaving directly after the last event of that conference, I would always make sure I could scrounge up enough money to stay at the hotel an extra night. And then that morning, I, uh, that first year found this beautiful serene spot over by the water. And I was just going to take a moment for myself, which I always thought I was an extrovert, but I think I was this Enneagram three. I know you're Enneagram three too. And I was achieving and, 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 and doing whatever it took in order to do what I had to do to survive and to achieve. Right. And so I was always extroverted, but I've found in my past 10, 15 years of my life that I'm actually more of an introvert and I, I thrive and actually do so much better when I give myself time and reflection just by myself, but I stay so busy. Sometimes I don't afford myself that. And anyway, I would, I would get alone and I would look out at the water and I would just think intentionally and I would say, what does Josiah need this year? Right. What does he need? And I would go think through and I would pray for him and I would pray. And ask God, you know, what does he need in his soul? What are the things he needs to learn? And then I would go, what does Jude need from me? What does Jude need to learn? And I would do that for each one of my kids. And every year I would walk away with kind of like one thing that I could focus on. Now that would extrapolate into other things, but that was how my intentionality was formed. And I guarantee you that those moments in the quiet moments in the morning with the Lord, you know, I I can almost guarantee those were the questions he, some of the questions he must have been asking because oh, sure. how in the world could someone show up and be so intentional with their children without that? Because the intentionality across the board from stealing you guys away on an event or the two hour locked in airport runs or the Christmas nights when you all slept in the same room, like him meeting you where you are, that's inspiration that you don't just get passively, mm-hmm. right? You cannot be a great unless we invest time and energy. And your father apparently invested time and energy into becoming a great father. And he set a legacy uh, for you to do the same. And that is that is so inspiring to me. And it's such a great reminder. And I hope that everyone who's listening can can pull that away because sometimes we kind of group it together. Yeah, I'm a parent. I'm the mother of these children. I'm the father of the, these kids. And, and, and forget that each one is such a unique soul. And they need something unique from us at different sections of their life. It's not like yeah. there's just one mantra for like their entire life, but it's always changing, ebbing and flowing. And that's why parenting is, it's a hard job, but like, it's the mm-hmm. best job I've ever had in my life, right? Yeah, like absolutely. the best job. Yeah. I Going with that, I think there's, my dad had this amazing belief of where he believes that, that I was like, uh, you know, we have a heavenly father. And so he's like, God sent us to him but we're really heavenly father's kids. And he's like, Hey, what does heavenly father, you know, he's, he said, what does your heavenly father want you to be? How does he know that you could become? And like, that was to be the questions he would ask in these prayers. And he'd always ask, he'd always let us know. He's like, I, he'd help us understand love. Um, like Edmund has this cool quote of like, you know, you, you die and you meet the person you knew you could become. And that's how, you know, if like you lived a strong life, where my dad believed the same thing. He's like, you guys have this potential of who you can become. And he's like, my goal as a dad is to help you guys find what that is and help, you know, carve that out. And like, uh, there's that cool quote too. Um, man, I need to like touch on my quotes because I I can't remember them, but there's like the, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the whole David where he's like sketching out the person. He's like, how'd you know, like, how'd you know, how'd you picture that out? He's like, I didn't picture. He's like, I just carved out what it was, you know, like. what? Or, yeah, what it wasn't. Every, I yes. just removed everything that it it yes, wasn't exactly and it revealed the David. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh. I think that's, you know, that's how my dad was like how he parented was, was that he led from that 
I think if you lead from that of like, hey, what does, uh, not yet, not to get spiritual, but like, who does your, who does that, who does Heather Father know you can become? You know, who does God think you can become? And if God's sending these children down to you, they have this divine potential. They have this like potential of becoming great. And if you could help find that for them and help them discover what that is, then you give like your kids this power of like, they can accomplish anything, you know? Yes. I think there, Gary V also says a ton. I've heard some other people say it too, where it's like, you try to embarrass your kids by telling them how amazing they are in public because the words that your parents tell you are the ones that you internally say to yourself. Yes. And so if you can, like, my dad would do that all the time where he would embarrass the crap out of me all the time. Like, oh, my son's so athletic. He's so this, he's so that, like, he's amazing. He's super strong. He's smart. And, um, you know, I get embarrassed. I'm like, dad, stop. Like, come on. Like, you're embarrassing me. But now, like, that's what I hear in my head when I'm having oh. down times to just hear my dad tell me those things. And um, I think that's like the strongest, you know, power you can give to a kid is them like believing in themselves. And I, I think that's what my dad, like, my dad would never, never, like, I wasn't a good student in school. And he'd get angry at me. You know, my dad would, would punish us. He would give us consequences, but he would never make it internally. You know, mm. never, it would just say, Hey, you are so much better than this. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, you can do better. Like I, you know, I was failing in a class once and he's like, you're simply not trying. Like, it's not like you don't know what the answers are. Like you're intentionally just not trying. And he's like, you know, you could be better than this. And I was like, oof, like, okay. Like mm, that landed. It, yeah. Like, it, and I don't I think it's probably by person, you know, you do that, but I think there's like a strong thing of like with my kids, you know, I kind of want to do that of like help them to like, Hey, you know, you know, you can do better. You know, you can do this. Like, cause they do, I think, yeah, no kid wants to fail. You yeah. Know? I don't know. Like, and I was just at a recent mastermind and one of the, the mastermind leaders, shout out to Alex Schlinsky. He kept going, um, if you don't have the belief, then borrow mine. Hmm. That's awesome. I know. And I, you know, I was like, oh, that's so powerful. And I think our kids need that from us as well, right? Like sometimes they can't see what we can see and what's Mm -hmm. inside of them. And we need to hold that out for them. And, and like, if you don't see it right now, you got to borrow my belief that I see that in you. Right. And that is just so powerful that he called that out in you guys. And and spoke it into existence. And Chandler, you're like living proof. And I mean, I'm I'm older than you by quite a bit, I think now. It's so weird <laughs> for me because I just feel like I'm still 20 years old, but I am so not. <laughs> and so like I'm like, you, you know, it's it's crazy because I feel like I'm I'm so inspired by who you're choosing to be. You know what I mean? Um, I think that the loss of a parent has the capability of taking us down many different roads. And I think it takes um, an extraordinary person to take that loss and turn it into something beautiful and to honor that legacy through your life and the life that you choose to live. And um, I just see that in you. And I see that you're making headway. And and I know that you've been such an inspiration for me coming on this podcast. And I can only imagine the people who are listening, how inspiring this is going to be. And I know you're in the early stages of parenting, but like, <laughs> I think you're slaying it, man. You're slaying uh, it so far. And I just know that you're not only going to continue to do that, but man, I want to kind of bring it around too, um, on just what you're doing as an entrepreneur. Like, 
You are seriously built the most coolest business with Rally Williams. And you guys are doing media acquiring, like you're acquiring media for people and also helping people sell their media assets like Facebook groups, YouTube channels, things like that. Uh, email lists, I believe too, yeah. right? Newsletters, yeah. Yeah, and you're, I mean, that is such a novel, amazing, unique idea that is so perfectly timed right now. And so um, before, I, I have one final question I'll ask along the lines of everything we've been talking, but before we get to that, because I really want to end with that, I want to just have, I want to have an opportunity for you to talk about what Media Acquire is and um, just kind of give everybody a glimpse into how cool this is because <laughs> I'm really blown away by it because it's like, wow, how novel and how unique. And I haven't heard anybody else doing this. I'm sure there's others, but like you guys are really doing something special. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, no, I'm excited. It's It's been something, um, so this is cool. So the way we got into it was, so a couple of years ago, my dad was kind of seeing me, my dad was seeing me like a little, like just burnt out. And what I was doing, I was like doing a lot of agency stuff. And I was like, I want to find my thing. Like I want to find like whatever that thing is for me. And uh, he introduced me to uh, something called mergers and acquisitions, and which is basically buying and selling companies. And so I was like, oh man, this is awesome. This is like totally what I want to do. And so we, I go down this route and, you know, try and like learn from as many people as I can. And I get introduced to Raleigh, who's my now business partner um, at a, who's, this is great. So we actually met at a restaurant here locally. I was driving through here and we stopped locally and I had a ClickFunnels shirt on and Carly, his wife just got off my dad's podcast. What? And this is crazy. Just got off my dad's podcast and she sees us there and she's, she's the talkative one. Raleigh is not the most outgoing. And uh, so she comes and says, Hey, do you guys know ClickFunnels? I'm like, Oh yeah. Like it was like an awkward question for me. Cause I was like, yes, I know it. And I never like wanted to say, Oh yeah, my dad's Dave Woodward. And, um, and so we get introduced that way and start the whole relationship. But media choir is a thing where we see a lot in like in the ClickFunnels community where it's like about, you know, you either have, you have like two options. You've got paid media, which is like buying ads and, you know, getting in front of your in front of the audience that you wish that you could be in front of that who are currently following you. And you have like your organic following, right? Like you're trying to build this whole thing up. And it's always been like one or the other where media choir is the coolest thing because it's literally best of both worlds where you can now go buy someone's actual, like someone's media account. So someone's Instagram and someone's newsletter, right? Where they have an actual attachment, right? They actually have a relationship with this person. And the way we do it in media choir is it's mainly like faceless accounts, right? Where the, the, the actual owner, the creator isn't like a, isn't public, right? Like I'm not going to buy in the rocks, you know, Instagram can't account, right? <laughs> Dang like, it. I'm a, yeah. like, I don't know what, to do, like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, see, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be weird for them. They see me pump on there, <laughs> but um, you can go in. So what media choir is, is a marketplace to go and buy these accounts where the creator is either burnt out. They don't know how to monetize it. And there's this engaged audience of people who are your typical dream customers who you wish you could get in front of. And instead of renting yeah, paid ads, you can now go buy this and own it and have an actual like digital real estate thing where you're actually getting, you know, you're owning tons of different, it's like the ultimate omnipresence move where if mm. you're going and buying like Facebook groups, newsletters, and they're like, man, I can't get away from this person. Yeah. Right? 
and because they're you're constantly in their inbox, their feed, their whatever, um, and they're subscribed to it, right? They love it. They love the content and stuff. So that's been uh, it's been awesome. It's been really fun, and uh, we're loving the loving the journey. So oh, such a cool part. business model. I love it, and I think it's just like the need for that is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. So where does someone go to find out more about Media Acquire? Yeah, you can just head to mediaquire.com is a is a marketplace right now where you can go and find what's available to buy and sell. Or yeah, just follow follow me on any kind of social thing and I'm trying to talk about it as much as I can. So Awesome. Well, you're doing a great job of it. I love it so much. I'll, I'll want to wrap it up. And I, I actually have two questions. I don't know. Are you still okay on time? Do you have a hard stop at all? Yep. No, we're good. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to get off this podcast without just asking this question because, and, and then the final question, but this question, because we always bring it up in which is screens in the home. And so I would love to know kind of what you've decided or what you're currently doing. I know your kids are young, but what, what's your current thoughts around screens in the home, any struggles or, or just proactive things you're doing? And maybe if it fits in, you know, how were screens handled in, in your home whenever you were growing up? Yeah. So like, I grew up like kind of like that weird, awkward, like right in the middle of like, I feel like where screens are trying to get kind of big. So, but for me now as a parent, I think and obviously, yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think what I want to do, how I want my kids to see screens is like that it's the most powerful tool out there, but like every tool can be used for good and evil. And I think if you can, if I can teach my kids how to use it so much for good, that when the evil thing comes or it's not going to be like enticing because we we'll see how much good it could do without, and I'm trying not to put a fear thing into it too. I think that's like a big, I don't like that and personally of like getting taught that way. And so I think, um, yeah, I'm trying to like use as much and my kid's three years old. So you're starting (laughs) like, we're kind of like Coco Melon is like what we're on right now. So, but yeah, I think, and I think with them is like, what we're trying to do really is like, I think this is like the biggest imagination time. So we were buying just so many cool toys and like, yeah, like just like things that he could like use his imagination for and trying to limit like he isn't, he's not craving tons of screen time, luckily. You know? Well, and that's beautiful because technically they're not going to have, you can't develop a craving unless you have something. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's beautiful time period in your life because you get to choose the path, you know, for the most part. I mean, once you get, once they get a little older, then you start having some external pressures for whether or not they get a phone or this or that or whatever. But for the most part right now, like you, you, you get to set the path. I was talking with Marley Jacks on oh, yeah. uh, one of the most recent ones. And, and she was like, yeah, I mean screen time's not really a problem in our home right now. And I'm like, that's amazing. So like, <laughs> why, you know? And that's because they've intentionally said it to where this is kind of what it looks like. And this is how you get to use it. And it's only for these things right here for now, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, that's just it. So they haven't developed it for social media or gaming or any of the maybe more addictive types of things. And it's limited to like, if you do get on, you get to use the app where you get to trace your letters, right? Not mm you know, just any app. And, and that's the beauty of it. When you're young, if you know, you can choose a different path. Whereas I think a lot of parents nowadays, um, they don't necessarily know, and they see a lot of other people doing things and their kids Mm -hmm. having an iPad at the dinner table or when they're out eating somewhere and they're watching their little show and it's, you know, God bless them. It's in an effort to have a peaceful dinner, right? Maybe, you know, um, and you, and you can't blame or judge people, but at the same time, we have to grow those parenting muscles, right? To where we can sit down for a dinner out in public and not have to have a device in order to have a decent dinner, right? 
excluding, you know, some extenuating circumstances with yeah. different types of stuff. But <laughs> but either way, you know, we whenever we don't, whenever we know, I think that's the majority of the battle. And um that's why this podcast one of the reasons why powerful parenting exists is to raise awareness of like what our kids are facing. And if you are in the earlier ages, like being very intentional about those decisions with yes. screen time going into it and making wise decisions instead of passively going, oh, okay, well, it looks like this is the age that everybody else gives kid mm-hmm. this. And then not exactly knowing what what happens when you hand that phone to the kid. What yeah. what all's on there? What devices, what apps are on there? How can I make this optimized for my kid? And I think what I hear you saying too is like looking at it differently. Um, I know Russell talks about being a con- uh, producer and not a mm-hmm. consumer, right? And I yeah. think that's very powerful as well. For sure. I think, yeah, I think if there's one thing, I hope like a lot of people can learn from like all things my dad taught me too, is like my dad wasn't a passive parent. Like he was very, very active. And I think that shows a lot. I love what you said. Like you can't, with a screen time, it it can't be passive, right? Like you can't, you can't let your kid, you can't, I feel like you can't let your kids try to drive it either. Like it's, you have to, you're the parent, you know, and like there's, there's a reason why there's a parent and there's a need for a parent. Yep. Cause you have so much wisdom and so much things you can teach kids. And if you have, if you can like teach your kid to actually like how to use the tool and how to use it, right. Like they'll love it. And it's great. And there's no nothing wrong with it. Like when I grew up, like we never had most of the time too, it's cause like we never wanted to be, I think, cause we we're pretty close as brothers. Like we'd rather go play, do something together. And so if we are like, I think there's so many, like I still, today, this day, I play some video games with my brothers, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's together. Like, it's something like, yeah, like a lot of the times like my parents didn't like us being by ourselves with it. Like, they're like, Hey, like you got to play with your brother. Like, and so we had to figure a way to play the games that we both liked. Oh, I love <laughs> that stuff. so much. I love that. That was like a big one too. That's, that's actually a huge thing. I haven't heard anybody call out before that. Um, I really, really like, we need to kind of work that into powerful parenting to talk about that more of just like, Hey, it, <laughs> Maybe one of the things you can implement is if you're going to be on a device, you have to be on it together. I think that's beautiful. Okay, awesome. So the last question that I've been, you know, kind of asking people, and I just love um, what comes out because it's just a moment for you to just say, you know, if there's some entrepreneurs who are listening right now who, you know, maybe they are, maybe they're actually at that part where they're like, man, I've been kind of passively parenting or um, I've been struggling with my my parenting journey. If you can reflect on, you know, some of the things we've talked about with your dad and your aspirations as a father, or is there any encouragement that you would leave those people with? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, I think as parents, like you do need a lot more grace for yourself. I think it's easy to get down on yourself as a parent of like, oh, I'm failing at this, failing at this. When it's like, I think you just got to try your best and that's all my dad did. My dad wasn't the best. He wasn't perfect, you know, but he would, he did the best he job he could. And I think that's what I love the most about him was that he embraced, he knew he would call out. He's like, yeah, I know I'm not being present here or and we can make fun of him. And life isn't meant to be so serious. I think you can yeah. have fun and joke around. And if there's anything my dad did, it was just like to live life to the fullest, you know? And like my dad loved every moment of life. And, um, yeah, there's just, if there's anything I could say is like, yeah, I think if you can give yourself more grace as a parent, you'll be a, a way better parent. Like, mm. because you're intent, like to, in order, I feel like in order to give yourself grace, you have to accept that, Hey, I'm not doing the best, but I'm trying my best, you know? 
And if you feel like you're trying your best and you deserve all the grace in the world, like mm-hmm. so many of my, of my, I grew up in a place where a lot of my friends weren't, didn't have dads, you know? And so a lot of single parents and they did the best they could, like, you know, how do you, how could you ever expect a single parent, a single mom to, you know, be there all the time, at every game and everything. Like, no, I think you deserve grace. And I think there were some times where my dad was placed in front. I believe my dad was placed in front of some of these kids' lives to be their, their parent, their dad. Like they're, I have so many, so many messages from so many of my friends where they thought, you know, they saw my dad as their dad. And when they, when my dad passed, they were like, Oh, I feel like I just lost one of my dads too. And um, yeah, I think that's because you deserve, you deserve grace a lot in this world. And like everyone's trying their best and hopefully they're trying their best. And I think if that, from that perspective, life's a lot easier. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And I think it goes back to the fact that it's again, not about being a perfect parent, but how do you show up powerfully like Dave Woodward did, right? Do you show up as a leader and a leader, the best leaders were and are people who lead in a way that shows that vulnerability, you know, that they are not showing up and and acting like they're perfect and they've got it all together. But, you know, it's like, no, here's where I am. Here's where we're going, but we're in this together. And I love it. I, I have this visual in my mind because of what you said, you know, your dad did life with you shoulder to shoulder, you know, yeah. and he was leading, but he was right there beside you. And I think that that mm-hmm. is so powerful. So for anybody who's listening and I, and I, you know, again, being vulnerable, like this podcast is about me coming together to continue to learn. I'm still in the midst of parenting. I'm not creating this podcast because I think I have nailed it and know everything there is to know about parenting. By all means, I know that I that's not even possible, right? And this is about learning and growing. And I feel like even now in the midst of just hearing everything you've talked about, like I'm so encouraged even more so to lean in and uh, to go after the things that I know are so super important for my own children. And so Chandler, I just thank you so much for coming on. I know this is going to be so impactful. I'll share one thing too. Oh, please do. Please do. Yeah. The last thing I have, there's this cool, uh, someone shared the song with me when my dad passed and um, it's about, it's a song called Monsters. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's, uh, it's a, it's a son writing to his dad as his dad's passing away from cancer. And, um, it's beautiful and it makes you cry every time. And, uh, the end of it goes, uh, there's no need to forgive, no need to forget. I know your mistakes and you know mine. And while you're sleeping, I'll try to make you proud. So daddy, won't you just close your eyes? Don't be afraid. It's my turn to chase the monsters away. And, um, I think there was like my dad's, it was the coolest ending to, uh, to his life was being able to pass, pass that torch and have that. I hope my dad knows that he has every right to accept that he did everything he could to, to hand me that everything I possibly need in my life and to be able to chase those monsters away and be able to attack life. And I think as a parent, if we can have that, like, I just want to give my son everything he needs to the day I die, giving him everything that he can have that power to, to step in front of his monsters and step in front of everything mm-hmm. that, that scares him and, and be able to go in and, and change the world and whatever that looks like for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And guys, that is powerful parenting. That is powerful parenting. You've left us in tears, Chandler, (laughs) in the best way possible. So inspired by you. Again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on the podcast today. I appreciate you so much. And guys, reach out, connect with Chandler, help us spread the word about Media Acquire. And again, thank you so much. 
I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.